This is The Space Shot, episode 365 for May 14th, 2018. Skylab and the final Saturn V launch. I'm John Molnix. Today is the 45th anniversary of the launch of Skylab, a fitting topic for episode 365. When I started the space shot a year ago, I noticed that I would be ending the first season of this podcast with a truly spectacular piece of space history. Skylab is often overshadowed by the glamour of the Mercury, Gemini, and Apollo programs, the infrequent regularity of the shuttle flights, and the continuous stream of astronauts visiting the International Space Station. I say infrequent regularity for the shuttle, because while there were 135 flights over that program, the shuttles themselves never flew as often as had been hoped, because the orbiters were more expensive to turn around for another flight than initially envisioned. Skylab fits in a class all of its own, because it marked the first time that American astronauts were living and working in space for extended periods of time, a critical part of proving that humans could function on long-duration missions. This station is going to be the topic for one of the upcoming longer-form episodes I have in mind for Season 2. Over the weekend, I started rereading Homesteading Space, The Skylab Story by David Hitt, Owen Garriott, and Joe Kerwin. This book is a fascinating look at the program and is a must-read if you're interested in learning more about Skylab. We'll be talking about this program in more detail soon, so let's chat a little bit about the launch. On May 14, 1973, the last Saturn V rocket lifted off from Pad 39A. This final flight was the only time that this mammoth rocket launched without a third stage, the S-4B being converted into the Skylab station. This unusual configuration meant that the Saturn V was overpowered for this launch, so something strange had to happen to fix that particular problem. Jonathan Ward notes in Countdown to a Moon Launch that engineers working on the Skylab mission got some unusual directives for launch preparations. An engineering order to add lead weights to compensate for a, quote, excess of performance margin was definitely unusual, but was critical to the successful orbital insertion of America's first space station. After launch, the success of Skylab was anything but certain. During liftoff, one of the micrometeor and heat shields broke off from the spacecraft. The debris from this incident damaged the inner stage, causing it not to completely separate. Space writer Emily Carney notes that the damage happened as the vehicle passed through Mach 1, not through Max Q, as had been indicated in other sources. I'm linking to a piece she wrote on the launch. There's some great insights, so be sure to give it a read. The damage to Skylab meant that Skylab 2, which was the first crewed mission to the station, would have to wait to launch until these issues could be thoroughly examined. The extensive damage to Skylab meant that ground crews began working around the clock to come up with fixes to the numerous problems that were discovered. There were three critical problems that NASA had to solve. 
first. Ground crews could rotate the spacecraft to prevent it from overheating, but power limitations meant that the remaining solar panels on the Apollo telescope mount had to be pointed at the sun almost continuously. This limited the rotations that could be performed to cool the station. This, combined with a limited supply of reaction control fuel, meant that NASA needed to move fast before Skylab lost all of its station-keeping fuel. Second, the solar panel situation was far from ideal. The station had lost one panel completely, and the other one was jammed, creating a situation where the only panels functioning were on the Apollo telescope mount. To perform any valuable science during the mission, heck, to have a mission at all, they had to get power to the station, and fast. Lastly, the meteoroid shield and sunshade was completely missing, which meant that the station was getting dangerously hot inside, around 130 degrees Fahrenheit to be precise. These temperatures threatened food supplies, medicine, experiments, and the film that the astronauts used to record the mission. NASA only had a limited amount of time to save Skylab, and those tense 10 days when these problems were solved are recounted in the book Homesteading Space, the Skylab story that I had mentioned earlier. The authors share the story of how the cooling problem was solved by an engineer named Jack Kinsler. He figured out a way to deploy a new sunshield from inside Skylab, whereas other proposals involved long and potentially dangerous spacewalks. Skylab had countless experiments on board, from simple medical ones to heliospheric science missions that exposed experiments to the vacuum of space. One of the ports that exposed experiments to space was on the sun-facing side that was missing the sun and micrometeor shield. Kinsler devised an ingenious solution that would spread the sun parasol over the affected area of the station, similar to how an umbrella opens up and spreads out. The parasol worked. Once astronauts installed this ingenious fix, it allowed NASA not to have to constantly rotate the station to keep it cooled and powered. That's just one of the parts of the incredible Skylab story. We'll be talking more about it soon. While Projects Mercury, Gemini, and Apollo were proving grounds for getting humans to space, Skylab remains a testament to the early years of humans proving that we could stay in space. The launch of Skylab also gave NASA an opportunity to show, yet again, how it could adapt to unexpected circumstances. The tenacity and persistence of everyone involved in the Skylab program are truly remarkable. I'm reading up on more of these stories for the upcoming long-form episode on Skylab, which is something I'm really excited to share with all of you. While the launch of America's first space station didn't go as smoothly as other Saturn V launches, the resulting activity to fix the station showed just how far America's space program had come since Alan Shepard's first flight, which had taken place just 12 years before Skylab lifted off. Tomorrow, one year later. I hope all of you have a fantastic rest of your day. I appreciate each and every one of you that listen to the podcast every day. I'd be incredibly grateful if you could share the podcast with your friends and family. Tag one of them and let them know about your favorite episode. I'd also really appreciate it if you could venture into the Apple Podcasts app or your podcast app of choice and leave a review for The Space Shot. 
A steady stream of reviews helps ensure the space shot is more visible in the Apple Podcasts app. As always, the show notes have more information on today's episode. You can hit me up on Instagram and Twitter. Find me at John Molnix. I'm always up to chat. You can also connect with me on Facebook. Just search The Space Shot or check out the links in the show notes and you'll find me. I'm John Molnix and I'll catch you on the flip side.